Thank you for joining us today as we hear the word of God. The Lord God wants you to know his word. He wants you to receive his power, his anointing that comes from obeying him. And we can only obey him as Lord when we know what he wants and when we do his will. That is why we come to you week after week and our doors are open in church and all churches are spread across the country that you may know the word, live the word, and receive the restoration and be the person God wants you to be. This is Pastor Fred Digby. I bring you greetings from Calvary Baptist Church. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 17. We'll be looking at parts of it as we hear the word of God and as we study the Master's Commission. The Master's Commission. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you for who you are, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We come to preach your word and teach your word. May it bring us insight and foresight. Rekindle our love for you and charge us to be purposeful in this life. We pray this in the wonderful name of our Jesus who comes again very soon. To him be the glory and praise, now and forevermore. Amen. Some time ago, I was talking to somebody and he was asking me, why do Christians make so much noise about Jesus Christ? Why? I mean, what is he? Without Jesus, can't you have religion? Can't you worship God? And I said, certainly, without Jesus, you can have religion, you can worship God. But if you want to worship God and follow him and obey him and know that you are doing the right thing, then God must guide you. God must lead you. God must direct you. If you're going somewhere, you don't know the place. You need a map. But better still, if somebody can take your hand and say, look, this country is like this. Here's where you go. What this is what you do. These are the taboos here and so and so forth. You'll find out that you will enjoy that place tremendously. Jesus tells us, that he is the second Adam. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. But Jesus came to restore us, to reconcile us to God. He came as the Lamb of God to be sacrificed so that we can be united with God and live with him forever. But when he came, he lived for only 33 years and worked for only three or three and a half years. Then he left his disciples and give them power and give them commission that they can go on and do what he has called them to do. That they will be multiplied all over the world. Today, if they are talking about 2 billion or 3 billion Christians all across the world, it shows the power of God. It shows that his word is true. And it shows that he wants more people to come to him. And he's been able to give his power to all his disciples who know his word, who keep his word, to be faithful to him, to do the things that he came to do. So as we look at the Master's Commission, keep this in mind. We take an example and we see how it applies to you. First, let's take the calling of the disciples. It just tells us that Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits. And to, heal, and to heal every kind of disease and illness. 
And here are the names of the twelve. Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later on betrayed him. These were men from diverse backgrounds. He called them. He called them to be with him. Another version said he prayed and fasted and chose these 12 people to be with him. Isn't it incredible that Jesus, as the Son of God, did not think it was appropriate to serve alone? He had people he spoke into their lives, and sometimes they asked him questions, and those questions clarified his purpose and agenda in this world. Would we learn to have people around us to be their mentors, their coach, and their guide that they will learn from us, that they can speak into our lives, also correct us, ask us questions for clarification, and nothing that we know all things. But he called them, and he called them for a purpose. And that is important. Why are you here on earth? One of the best-selling books in the Christian world is The Purpose-Driven Life, written by Rick Warren. Millions and millions have bought that book. It's been translated into many languages, and I hope you have read it also. But simply, he's saying if you know your purpose, if you know your agenda, it drives you towards that purpose. So you must know your purpose. But you see, I would say not just the purpose that you have decided, but particularly to know why God has made you, what he has gifted you, and what he wants you to achieve in this world. So Jesus came and called these 12 people to be with him. And he gave them a call. And that call came with twofold power. First, to overcome unclean spirits. And secondly, to overcome all sickness and disease. So these people that he sent, he sent them to achieve something for him. He called them to be with him, to see, to hear, to feel, and to experience firsthand what Jesus is able to do. As Christians today, we must see him as calling us to overcome evil spirits and the forces of darkness, the one that keeps people in bondage. He has called us to set the captives free, and he has called us to intervene in sicknesses and diseases, not just the physical sicknesses and diseases, but that of ignorance, of poverty, of those things that cause people to be illiterate. Sick societies must be redeemed. Sick communities, we have to experience the light of God. As Isaiah said, the people who lived in darkness have seen the light. It will be a great light. So he came. And the nature of the power, uh, the nature of the call is to give us power, power to be who he wants us to be. Have you experienced that power? Are you using it? Is it benefiting you? But is it also benefiting others? So when you take these 12, it's amazing what their backgrounds were. But he called them. He called them to be with him. Let me go over the names again. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Peter, Bartholomew, 
Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas. Later on, we find that after Judas had betrayed Jesus and he died, the apostles thought that they needed someone else, and they chose Matthias to join the eleven to continue to be twelve. But these are the original twelve that I have named. And Jesus chose them so that they can be with him. But you see, he called them. But let us look at the commission that he gave them. He gave them a purpose to live, a new direction to live. Jesus sent them out as apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Here, Jesus gives them clear mandate, clear authority, what they are supposed to do. To go and preach to lost sinners. Lost sinners who are Jews. These were called specifically to Jews because they had a Jewish background. They could give their own testimony. They could talk in such a way that people would understand them. You see, Jesus came to give the Jews another opportunity to come to him. It's always good to start with your own people and talk and talk to them. Last week we looked at this woman who came from the Tyre and Sidon area, that Syrophoenician woman who was asking Jesus to heal the daughter. And the disciples were disappointed. And Jesus himself seemed to be telling her, I didn't come for you. But the woman persisted and persisted. And of course, what Jesus do? He said, I have never met such a person with a great faith. And he healed her. And the daughter was healed that same hour. So, we see that he came for everybody. As his word tells us, God so loved the world. But when he called these disciples, when he sent them out, he said, go and preach to the lost people of Israel. When he was leaving the earth, he told his disciples, look, you wait, power will come on you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Friends, can I tell you this, that that purpose, that call is still here today, no matter who you are, whatever your profession is, what you are engaged in, it doesn't really matter. Whether you are a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an apprentice, a student, once you have come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, know that he has marked you out. He has saved you for a purpose and you must leave that call. You see, you must go and preach repentance in the name of Christ. Verse 7, he told them clearly, the purpose is the call, but go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near or is coming, is near. The kingdom of God is here with us. The king is here with us. His Holy Spirit lives among us. His church is here with us. His disciples are here with us. But he's coming again with power. He's coming to take his disciples to be with him. He's coming. So we must repent. Preach repentance and Christ return. What does it mean to preach repentance? Let me tell you again. Repentance is one of those picture words that are used in the Bible. Over and over and over again, the Bible uses words that we need to tell a story to understand. 
So repentance means changing your mind, returning to God away from evil, changing your mind and living a different type of life. So you want to go to point A, maybe you want to go to Tamale, and then you sit in a bus and you thought the bus was going to Tamale. After a while, the driver says, we are at the flower border. I said, what? Yes, the bus can take you through all these borders and you can eventually get to Tamale, but you have to cross the border. He said, no, 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 that is not what I want. Then I joined the wrong bus. I was sleeping. I didn't know what was going on. See, but if you woke up suddenly and you said, they're going to Tamale, say, no, 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 that's not where I want to go. And you turn and you say, I want to go to Tamale. You join the right bus and you go to the right place. Repentance means you are headed in a certain direction and the power of God comes on you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and you turn and say, I won't do it again. It's amazing that there are people who come to Jesus, but they still continue in their old ways. They still continue to cheat, to lie, to commit the fornication, adultery, to discriminate, to be so prejudicial, to gossip, to say what they don't even know anything about. Yes, these are part of the fleshly nature. But repentance means you accept that Christ is your Savior, Christ is changing you, His Holy Spirit is working within you, and you are going to cooperate with God over and over and over again until He makes you who He wants you to be. So just like coaches who take somebody and train that person till they are a good athlete, till they are a good footballer, till they are a good basketball player, or a teacher will take a student who doesn't know much and teach that pupil how to write A, B, C, D, and now they can write well and they have all kinds of degrees. It started from somewhere. The Lord wants to change you, to teach you, to correct you. That is what repentance means. Repent. Change your mind and come to Christ. Then, it's not only a purpose in the preaching, but it also gives you power. The power to live the life that he wants you to lead. He gave that power to his disciples. And he still gives that power to you and I. He gives it as a gift to the body of Christ. He told those 12 disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the lepers, and cast out demons. Do that. Anything that comes your way, try and do something about it in the name of God. An encounter with the, with the Spirit, an encounter with the supernatural. And sometimes Jesus heals because he has compassion on people who are sick, that he can touch them. He can heal them. I remember at one time, we were students in the hospital, and we saw so many sick people, and we, we were getting discouraged because they were dying one after the other. We are doing an internship and they took us to this cancer floor. And most of us, we just got confused. Then our mentor called us. So what is wrong with you? Why are you looking almost discouraged and depressed? Are you not the children of God? And said, we are. So why, why can't you do anything about what is being said about them, that they are dying? We said, the doctors have said it. What are we supposed to do? And the man laughed. He said, look, don't you see human beings are spirit and they live in the body? You know, 
The body of anybody and everybody can go. But where is their spirit going? Do you know where they are going? So can you show people the light that Christ is the answer? There's life after death. And even if somebody has been pronounced that they will die, we don't know when they will die. They may die in the flesh, but can you give them hope? Can you give them courage? Can you ask them to tend to Christ away from sin, away from the world? Can you give them assurance of the promises of God that God says in his word that in my father's house there are many rooms. I go and prepare a place for you. And when I finish, I'll come for you. Where I am, there you may be also. Are you giving this hope to people? Boy, I tell you, it was a revelation for us. The skill fell off our eyes. And then after that, we had a message for everybody. So whether it is physical sickness, we can touch spiritual sickness, emotional sickness, to heal the sick, no matter what their sickness is. Believe today that Jesus can do something about it. And it's depending on you and you and you and you and I to do something about it. I don't even want to talk about healing societies, healing communities, because all of that can happen when the people of God tend to God and they want to do the will of God. But then he adds something at the end of verse 8. Freely have you received. Give freely. Give as freely as you have received. Now, this is what Jesus was telling his disciples. Don't tell me that they didn't need money. Most of them were family people. They were fisher folks. They were working to earn a living. And Jesus knows for sure that people will give them food and shelter and clothing. But they should not go out and be greedy that making money from the gospel is their entire purpose. No, God has given you the gift he's given you, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift that causes you to have signs and wonders, wisdom, knowledge. Even your very life is a gift from God. So you, you try, yes, God can bless the work of your hand. He says when you work for him, the laborer is worthy of his hire. But you don't go about making money, 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 give me, build a house for me. Some continue to tell lies, to collect people's money, to their homes, break homes, do all kinds of things. That is not part of the preaching. Jesus said, declare the good news to people. Freely you have received as a preacher. Freely you have received as a son and a daughter of God. And freely would you give. Then he said, of course, you have a purpose, preach the word, he gives you power, but then he also tells you, look, healing and evangelism, give your time to it and do it freely, hold nothing back. Then he will give every provision for you. Look at it. He told those disciples he was sending, don't take any money in your money belt, no gold, no silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work for God deserve to be fed. Well, yes, he doesn't command us all the time to go like this. No gold, no silver and be begging people. But for those disciples, he said, I'm sending you out and you'll see how you'll be blessed. That money, physical wealth, I mean, should not be your purpose. But you see what God will do with you if you go with a singular aim. 
that God will provide for you. Friends, expect God to meet your needs. If you are his child, expect him to bless you. As you are in his vineyard, there are so many people today God is calling. And some are afraid because they wonder what they will eat, what they will drink, but have word for you. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Saying, This God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a New Living Translation version of Philippians 4.19. Or as most of you know it, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Here are people who gave to bless Paul, and Paul is telling them, look, I have been filled with God by everything, of everything, because I'm content with what I have. But you, because you blessed me, God will bless you and bless you. Then the psalmist said in Psalm 37 verse 25, Once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Yes, the assurance that God knows how to take care of his servants. You see, Jesus again captures this properly or more directly in Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So it's a matter of priority. Don't worry about these things. It doesn't mean they are not important. But seek first. Let your priority be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Winning souls, discipling them, correcting them, evangelizing, being in prayer, interceding, doing all these things. And God will surely bless you. So he makes every provision for you. You must go. and. Preach peace to all God's people. Now, he told them something, which again must challenge you and I, that when we live in a community, we live in a society, where you work, people who are around you, the Lord has sent us out as missionaries. Look at Matthew 10, 14 and 15. He said, look, if any household or town refuses to welcome you, or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Jesus is saying simply, you go. If those you preach to refuse to accept the word of God, it's unto them. They'll be punished. But when you refuse, then you will not have done your best. Will you do your best? Will you obey the command of Christ and do your best? He said, look, when you go, there will also be persecution. Oh, Jesus, did you really say that? Say, yes, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. So the master commissioned you, but he also tells you that you will face danger. Isn't it amazing? That people enrolled in the army, they enrolled in the police, in the security services, they protect us, they carry guns. But sometimes they themselves are shot dead. Why? It goes with the job. And Jesus says, don't be worried. Christians are being sent out as sheep among wolves. Be wise, be sensible, be harmless. 
But remember, they will attack you. And when they attack you, remember they did it to me and they will do it to you also. People will discourage you. They will try to make you give up on Christ, particularly those who go to the, the high schools and the colleges and the universities. There are people there who say they are professors. They have read the Bible as a storybook and they make fun of you. Be strong in your faith and the power of God. People will denounce you. They will try to encourage you to do the wrong thing. And when you do, they will turn again and laugh at you and give you names. People will try to degrade you. They will think there's something wrong with you. That is why you are following Christ. They will lie about you. They will try and frame you up. They did that even for righteous Daniel. They have been framing people because they will not take part in the unfruitful works of darkness. They will do anything just to discourage you. But stand firm for God because he has commissioned you. It is when you go through things like this, when you are able to appropriate or use the power of God, his anointing, to do what God has called you, then you hear him say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Your strength was little. But you asked me for more grace to use the gifts that I've given you. And look, and look, and look at the outcome. And you say, come into the joy of your Lord. Friends, working for God is hard. Working for God is not an easy life. But you see, just like the soldiers, just like the police, just like even anything that is worth its while in this life, it is not easy. People wake up in the morning and spend hours on the road to go and earn a living. That they can build a house, raise a family, and the time comes when they go. And where do they go? Into the grave. They can't even take anything away with them. Don't let your life be like that. Going up and down, no souls who have won for Christ, no giving to build a church of God. You haven't helped any widows, no orphans. You have not talked to anybody who has become a child of God because of you. I'm telling you, you are working and the arm of flesh will fail you. Today, remember, if the Lord has saved you, He has commissioned you, go and bear fruit and let that fruit abide. If you have not borne any fruit for Him yet, can you go on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Today, rekindle my love for you. Let my testimony ring true that I'll bring others to know you as Lord and Savior. But if you haven't, today you can also say, Lord, I hear that you came for me. Help me to find my purpose and to live for that purpose. Father, I thank you that because you answer prayer, I change my mind about my sinful ways and I come to you as a child. Receive me. Let me be one of your loved ones. Fill me with your spirit and use me. Amen. If this it's your prayer, your desire to grow in the Lord. We can help you. You hear our contact at the end of this broadcast. Or any Bible-believing church can help you. Or you can just take your Bible and start reading. Read the Gospel of John. You'll know more about the love of God. Until sometime again, this is Pastor Fred Digby saying you are blessed because God loves you. 
You are empowered because he has commissioned you. Live for him now and forevermore. Amen.